What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this special episode from the archives. This is a golden oldie full of great evergreen advice for writers. It's a rerun, basically. Whilst we work on something very, very special. Or very, very special indeed. We were so young and naive, weren't we, Mark? Oh, we were, but our guests, our guests were brimming with wisdom. So enjoy. And we'll be back next week with a brand spanking new episode of The Bestseller Experiment. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to The Bestseller Experiment, where we try and discover what makes a best-selling novel while trying to write, publish and market one in just a year. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe. And this week, it didn't take us four attempts to do that intro at all. Um, and uh, do uh, well, subscribe to us if you haven't subscribed already and join us online. We've been getting some great stuff on Twitter. We're at BestsellerXP on Twitter and we've had some amazing tweets. Not least, I meant to mention this a couple of weeks ago, Mark, but you remember you were asking for a Miss Whiplash to keep you in line. I was, writing. I was very disappointed that I, I, no one's actually showed up yet in my writing studio. You've had an offer. What? Uh, at Venus underscore Bloom. Oh my! Uh, who writes erotic novels? Oh my! Um, she's she's offered. So drop her a line. I would imagine you probably need to read a few of her books first. Uh, just a bit. Um, but she's she's coming with an offer. Venus. Uh, we've expect expect <laughs> a tweet from me soon. <laughs> I have to be really careful what I say on these podcasts, don't I? You really you kind do, of forget. Yeah. We relax into this, and we forget we're actually going out to to millions of people around the world. At least that's what Nilsson told us the other day. Right. <laughs> Uh, we've had some. Uh, we did ask people uh, where they did their, uh, where they listened to us. Uh, and uh, Penilla, uh, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Penilla Hughes said that we got her through a mountain of ironing. So I always listen to podcasts when I'm ironing as well. Uh, so that's good to hear. We also had a tweet from a character. Now that's that's a first for me. Let me see if I can find it. it basically, it was it was a character saying, "My author is glad that I did. He didn't give up on me." Basically. <laughs> that was What's Mark's looking for that? We also wanted to thank the Washington Post for writing an article which um, talked about the podcast, which blew us away just before Christmas. And then the Independent this week uh, also did that. So thank you so much to all these incredible journalists who are obviously checking in with the show. And we really appreciate um, all of the the, the tweets and the write-ups. Did you find that tweet, Mark? Yeah, it's at Jonathan Fryden. My author, very grateful for your advice about not giving up. Confidence alert averted. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's so, and that's interesting because it's, it's something that publishers talk about. They, 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 they always think it's a, an interesting idea to have a character as, as a Twitter avatar. Well, I've heard um, of people not, setting, up char- setting up websites for their characters, like yeah, fam- fake websites and things like that. So that's, it's an interesting idea. Definitely. Yeah. Love it. Um, and we also had a, a tweet from Harriet Tice, who uh, told us that she's been listening to us. 
your old school friend. Oh, well, this this Harry might be this might be an opportune moment to introduce our guest, Mark. Our guest, <laughs> yes, who's whispering in my ear. <laughs> yeah, Harriet. She's just got an agent. She's got my agent, and it not not anything to do with me. Fantastic. Uh, she said, "Oh my gosh, your agent has just offered to represent me." And so, yeah, she's um, she's fabulous. She's an ex barrister. And, and, and who am I talking to? Oh, Sarah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Let's introduce our guest, special guest of the week is Sarah Pimbra, the one and only Sarah Pimbra, who knew nothing of this podcast because she took a month off social media in October and completely missed our launch. Uh, but she's here with us now. And we're absolutely delighted to have her. Uh, how are you, Sarah? I'm, I'm very good, thank you. And, and hiya. And and yeah and and so yeah, Harriet and I went to school together in Edinburgh. Wow, we were both prefects. In fact, hard to believe in my case. I <laughs> did bribe the voters. She was not voted. I think I think she was given one by the teachers. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, and she's a, she's a, um, doing crime writing now. Yeah, and so I think she's got a very promising career ahead of her. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Sorry, it's just when you said Harriet Tice, I was like, hang on, there can't be that. I mean, unless it's a different Harriet Tice, in which case she can sort off. <laughs> interesting. It's my friend Harriet Tice. Well, let's let's introduce Sarah, shall we? Uh, Sarah, you're an award-winning author. You've written in YA and, and adult. You've written in all kinds of genres. Uh, you've written for the BBC as well. You've done some TV. You, you've got all sorts of stuff in development. Is it um, 30 Minutes is in development with Netflix, among Netflix, other things? Um, Josh Schwartz and Michael DeLuca. Fantastic. Yeah. Can I just say massive congratulations? Because that is, I think that's the new holy grail for authors, isn't it? Get a series on that. You know, it's really hard to get into Netflix, but I have this amazing. This is gonna. This is like the. Am I allowed to just a little rude words on here? Oh, you, you can be as I rude can, as you want. Anyway, like. okay, we'll put cool. a little e on okay, the thing. Okay, thank you. Um, it makes Mark squeamish. I was only well. going to oh. say wanker. Oh. I was just going to say wanker. This is the most wankery thing you could possibly say. In fact, if there was ever an award. For wankery stories, this story would get the gold wanker award. <laughs> so I was in, so there's so many ticks for wankerdom in this story, but I was in LA, one tick, <laughs> last February, just before the Oscars, second tick. Um, and so I went to Chateau Maman, big double oh, tick, big tick yeah. with Irving Welsh, triple tick, uh, for dinner the night before the Oscars. I met Lady Gaga. That was quite interesting. But while I was at this dinner, he said to me, you really need to meet my manager because you two are both very driven. You've both got the same work sensibility. And I was a bit like, I don't think I need a manager. But, you know, like he's ever, I'm not going to say no. I have politeness. I'm going to have this breakfast. So I met this guy. And, I mean, my manager is lovely and he's a proper geek. Underneath the L.A. charm, I sense geek. I smell geek there, you know. Mm. But he's also an exceptionally good-looking man. So <laughs> we had arranged to meet for breakfast. And so we met up and I was starving and I had a minor hangover. And I really wanted a proper breakfast. But as he walked in, I thought, I cannot order breakfast because it's all going to go wrong. I'm going to spill it down myself. <laughs> so I just sat there. I sat there and starved and pretended to be an L.A. woman going, oh, no, I couldn't possibly eat any food <laughs> at all today. Um, but so he, so, you know, he was great. And he spoke to my screen agent here and they all got on. And, um, yeah, we ended up in a five-way auction for the rights for a book that isn't even out in America yet. And to be honest, wasn't in paperback in the UK at that point. Wow. So it hadn't even, like now it's sold well. I mean, yeah. I think the new cover, the new look has done really well for the paperback. But it hadn't really sold. And he got us, we had, it came down to Paramount, I think it was, or DreamWorks and Netflix were the last two in. And wow. then Netflix went and we had, so we've got Josh Schwartz who did the OC 
the Gossip Girl, the creator of that, he's adapting it. And so how, do, how does that work practically? Are they kind of phoning you up every 20 minutes saying, now it's Paramount, now it's DreamWorks? No, what, what happened practically, and I think this sums up the experience of many uh, an author, <laughs> is that there was a lot of emails going around and then there was this very long gap where I wasn't getting any emails. And so I messaged Trevor and I was like, so what's happening? The last I heard we were in this, you know, auction. And he said, what do you mean what's happening? Haven't you seen emails? And I was like, what emails? And of all the people talking about the option of my book, I had been left off the email <laughs> of it. And I thought, this is the vision of the future to come, you know? Yeah. People wonder why writers are paranoid. But I kind of thought it was funny. And I was like, you know what? Right at this moment, I am the most important person in this email conversation. Two months' time, I I don't matter. Yeah. But right now, so it was quite funny. But no, it was it was that bonkers thing of so-and-so's come in. So, and of course, it's Hollywood. The minute someone has a sniff of something. Yeah. Everyone yeah. is interested. But, you know, it was down to Trevor. He packaged it. He got it together. And so so I have an L.A. team called Trevor and Dave. You couldn't get a less, less L.A. LA sounding. It's, it's so like my the entertainment Chaz and Dave lawyer. Of, I know, Dave I know. Of, uh, writing, my right? entertainment lawyer is called Dave, and he is amazing. He is, you know, him and Netflix, they've, they've both got blood. They're right. both bloodied with that contract. Right. <laughs> you know, we gave some, they gave some. Um, but yeah, Dave is awesome and Trevor is awesome. And so I've got a really good, it sounds awful, but I've got a great team. That's great. That, that's an amazing story, Sarah, but I've got to say it was completely spoiled by the fact I have this image of a golden phallus award in my head throughout that. <laughs> I know, but I'm wearing it. I should have it like a big metal chain, like a Harvey Weinstein style. Could be the new Beastie thing. Boy kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give, I want to know the backstory to this because how does, how do you end up having that kind of breakfast meeting like what were you doing say three five ten years ago and you I mean is this your wildest dream kind of fantasy that's happening right now do you know it's an odd one isn't it because there have been moments when you're working on something or you're doing some screenwriting I mean Mark knows this as well and 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 it can be a real pain in the ass and then you have to tell yourself look you have 10 years ago that was teaching and writing and hoping for a glance deal or a HarperCollins deal or a film deal or a TV episode, you know, that that you would be staying up till five o'clock in the morning or working through the night. Whereas I'm like, oh, I've got to do notes on this script. <laughs> you know, but um, I think it's, I think, I think the tragedy is, I had this conversation a few years ago with um, someone I know, a film director, Johannes Roberts, and we talked about driven people. And the sad thing is driven people are never happy. You know, like the the biggest realization is that you're never going to be happy. So, I you know I've kind of made peace with myself that I'm never going to be happy. But I'm trying to just enjoy the storytelling, and everything else is is out of my control. You know, like whether a book is successful is not down to me. Whether a book is successful is down to whether the publisher has put the money behind it. That's all that counts. People can. I mean, I tweet about my books because. That's me doing my bit. No one fucking pays any attention about the author tweeting about their book. They pay attention if the Evening Standard tweets about your book or the Telegraph tweets or someone else tweets about your book, you know, and, and it, so it's about pl- placement and whatever. But the only thing I can do is write the stories I want to write. And if people want to buy those, then that's I've just realized that nothing else makes me happy. I've had a great year. And I'm still a miserable fucker. <laughs> Do you know, I'll tell you, you, know, I'll tell you what it is. Just... I've got a theory as a coach. I'll, I see this well, all the Mark time. Well, Mark said you were. I Should need we... you to make me a happy, fluffy person. Well, I've got a theory. I call it normalisation. 
And it's uh-huh. the idea that no matter what, where we get to in life, no matter whether we're in the slums or the mansion on the hills, uh, we normalise everything. Yeah. So you're now in the normalising of the massively successful author stage of your no, career. Not quite. <laughs> I would li- I'd really like to be there. Let's hope in a few months' time. But I would really love to be at that stage. I'd really love to be the irritating person that everyone else is like, just tell us it's great. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to hear your problems. That's what we want to know, you see, because we're on this journey. And now, you, you mentioned, you, you dropped in there about something that's about to happen. And I think it's a prime opportunity to mention an incredible story behind your forthcoming novel behind her eyes give us a story because there is a massive from what i've heard from what i'm picking up there is a massive buzz about this book that's coming out in we a few have weeks. got a good buzz we have got some good buzz going on and we've sold it 21 countries now and you know we've got a, it's coming out big in america i think and there's a, it's a lot of stuff happening over here it's you know we've got all the supermarkets and that kind of thing but um i was just very i mean i was quite lucky in some regards and in others, I think it is um, testament to putting the time in with networking. You know, I think you can be talented, but if you stay at home in the Outer Hebrides and never go to an event and never go to a convention, you don't get face to face with a lot of uh, editors. And especially if you're working within genre, you know, it's quite a small pool it's, and it's quite hard to break out. You know, it's, I mean, crime, I consider a genre. It's not mainstream sort of literature. Crime is a, a bigger genre than, yeah. you know, as yeah. we know, it's like horror, fantasy. It's hard to, yeah. to have a yeah. big, a, you know, your Gerber Crombies are a few and far between. Yeah. Um, but so she came to me and said that she wanted to publish me, uh, the editor at HarperCollins. And I said, that's great, but I owe some books and I don't have any ideas. And she said, <laughs> she said, well, just pitch me something. Uh, that I can take to acquisitions in like two weeks' time. She goes, it doesn't have to be brilliant, which anyone knows means it has to be brilliant. <laughs> so, and then over the course of that week, it was an awful week. It was, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing, but only, you know, in the context of our conversation, but it was an awful week. Um, I was looking after my friend's dog, who I had to have put down, and then the the wonderful Graham Joyce died that oh, week. God. So I was in a real state, and I was walking up and down Chiswick High Road, looking for a cafe to try and figure out some idea for this book. And I had this idea of a couple, an affair, and secrets, as as all these thrillers do. And I just said, this isn't enough, this isn't enough. And so I, I, I went to a pub <laughs> and I had a glass of wine and I thought, I've just killed my career before it started <laughs> because I've had this great opportunity and I've got nothing. And then um, I literally, as I opened my notebook, got the ending. And it's, a, you know, there's been a lot of fuss online about the ending. Well, there's the hashtag the what the WTF, fuck, that ending. That ending. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I was a bit worried about because I thought they're setting me up to fail. But thus far, it seems to be working okay. Um, and so I had the ending and I thought, oh, you know what? This is this is something special. And that's arrogant and that's very American of me. Americans are much better at uh, being positive about their own things than English people. But I did have that moment of, oh, yeah, this That works. happened straight as you came up with the ending. You knew then it was going to be different. Yeah, yeah. I knew then it was special. Cool. It was, yeah, I was like, oh, this is clever. <laughs> That's awfully arrogant. I mean, the, the, arrogant. the question I, I, I would ask as well is, because you've, you've written in genre, you've written bits of fancy, mm. you've written erotic fairy tales, uh, you've written uh, YA stuff. There's always been a kind of a thriller element in them, mm. but this is a proper... Put it next to Harlan Coben on the shelf thriller, isn't it? Was that a strategic... It is and it isn't. I mean, you know, John Connolly said said to me um, in Dublin, he was like, it's going to be very interesting to see how straight crime readers 
take to this book yeah. is going to be Marmite. There will be some people that are like, this does not fit a thriller. Right. But to me, it's a thriller. But it's not, it's, it's, it has, it has Pimbra-esque elements okay, to good. it. Okay, good. Good. Still got your voice. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to do a domestic thriller that, it's hard to say these things without sounding like you're disparaging a whole genre, which I'm not because I love domestic yeah. thrillers. I read them all the time, but they they do fit a very conformed, conformative. Is that, that's not even a word, but it is now. Um, <laughs> you know, they conform to various rules and I wanted to break a couple of those rules and I'm hoping that it has and I'm hoping people like it. But I think I think it plays to the beats of a thriller. But it has added Pimbra. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like to play around with different genres. I like to play around. Um, when I mean talking about the the buzz and everything, because mm. it has been bonkers, incredible. It? I've got it has eczema. been. I've got eczema with it. Is that, it's bringing that, me that out pre-publication? Yeah. 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 Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I mean, how much were you involved in the strategy of that? Did they? Did you sit down and have meetings with them and talk about oh, how it's going to evolve? It was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've said to people. And again, I'm going for the wanker of the year award. I was having my interview with the Evening Standard this morning. <laughs> and I said to her, and I've said it to a few people, actually, I'm very glad this wasn't my first book. Because if if I had been given the expectation that this is what happened with every book, you could be in for some serious downfall if yeah. it didn't quite work, you know? Whereas because I've had 20 odd books before this, I know that you can be in the coal mines for a lot of it. So, no, it's been amazing. I mean, before Christmas we had... So my agent in New York has already been into Flatiron and had a presentation there about everything they're doing. Um, And they flew me over to Savannah and they're flying me for a a two-and-a-half-week tour of America. Uh, Well, some bit, not all of it, obviously, but there's like a plane a day for two-and-a-half weeks and I don't like flying, so that's going to be fun. Um, But, yeah, over here they brought us in for, like, a big marketing presentation and it's been amazing. We had a big dinner with various buyers and, it's you know, it's just been a whole different experience. Yeah, it's the red carpet treatment, isn't it? It is, and I'm kind of still expecting someone to yank it because you know how easily I fall over. (laughs) You know, I'm kind of expecting it to happen. With my book, you know, so I said to Natasha tonight, I just want it to come out. She said, aren't you enjoying it? I said, it's been a long run up, you know, and I'm just kind of, you know, and I have no, I don't do envy of other authors because I think there's enough space for everyone to succeed. Yeah. And people don't contest. buy one book, yeah, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So if they go into Asda and there are books for five pounds, you're going to not buy just one. You might buy one one week, one another week. So, you know, I think it's, we can be generous with each other because it's a tough enough job without that. Um, but I am kind of like, I feel like I've put the the, the digging in. Does it, you know? feel, does it feel like you're kind of really heavily pregnant right now and it's like those last latter stages? Thankfully, of- I have never experienced <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't think it's natural. My vagina was not designed to give birth. <laughs> There's nothing normal about it. I'm not going to push a baby out of a hole. I once found it hard to put a tampax into. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> not gonna happen i'm putting that in the vault of gold i I, I said that during my i had to do this talk in savannah to all these southern booksellers and it was supposed to be quite a serious talk about my book and you know i've got dodgy back and my so i was really nervous and so my back had gone and everyone else is talking seriously about their books but i was like shit my book is about an affair and i'm in the south and i'm not quite sure how i can make my character sympathetic so i was quite nervous but i had this very serious talk planned and so when my publisher she was 
introducing me to, and there was like a room full of like 150 Southern book owners, bookshop owners. And Amy, who's the head of Flatiron, she was like, and Joe Hill said this about the book and Harlan Coben said this and John Connolly said this. And so she goes through this list of men who've said stuff about my book and she went, so here is Sarah Pimbero. So I hobble, you know, to the microphone and I found myself, you know what I'm like, I found myself saying, do you know what? Those quotes cost me so many sexual favours I can hardly walk. <laughs> and, <laughs> just lost it so I thought okay these are my people and so I did say at one point I don't know how it came into it but that Tampax line did come into it so I've now stashed it for years that's quite a risk they could have gone springtime but I did think I would know at that moment I would know whether I had to be disparaging of people who had affairs or I could just be like but at the end of it this woman came up and she must have been about 90 and her husband was about 95 and she said to me oh I was the other woman I made him leave his wife and I was like okay but she still she still stalks his ex-wife on Facebook. No. I thought nothing changes. Nothing changes, My however God. old you get. Crikey. Shall we talk about your craft for a bit? I have one. Yeah. Well, are you clearly doing, you're clearly doing something right. Um, first of all, do you write every day? No, I think that's bollocks. I think it's really, <laughs> I think it's really bollocks advice. I think um, it pressurizes people to, to tell bad stories. I used to think it was important and I used to really buy into that 2,000 words a day, blah, 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 blah. And and I used to get caught up in other people's word counts and I would find myself, when I first joined Twitter before I realised it just made people want to punch you in your face, Mm. I would be like, oh, I've done 2,000 words, now I'm going to the gym. I was that person. (laughs) Um, Clearly not now. (laughs) But no, I think the most important thing in writing is the thinking time. So it's not about whether you're writing every day, it's whether you're thinking about your story every day. So for me, the minute I stop worrying, and people always say I'm prolific, and I am quite fast because yeah. I don't have children, et cetera, I think, which makes a difference. Um, but I think it's it's far more important to take some time and think about how best to tell your story than to be thinking, I've got to write 90,000 words in three months. Now, I appreciate, because I have been there, that for some people they have to hit those word counts because they've got to get the book in at this time to write the next, you know, if they're writing three or four books a year to make their wages, yeah. to be honest, my suggestion would be get a proper job and write one really fucking good book. Because I think we've all wasted time churning out books that we haven't given enough thought to. Right. So I do think, you know, to get your plotting right takes thinking. So no, don't write every day, but certainly think every day. Cool. That's really fascinating. Actually, it kind of, it's interesting, Mark, isn't it? Because we'll, we've been spending a lot of time plotting in our book and I don't feel so bad hearing that now. <laughs> Thanks for that. It's absolutely vital. It's absolutely vital. I think, you know, you can waste a lot of time, but also I'm not a redrafter very often. Right. You know, my, I don't do a lot of drafting. So you outline a lot beforehand. Yeah. I'm a massive planner. I outline, I've got notebooks with little, and it's not like I don't have the whole book planned out because no. that would be mental, but I have definitely the ending in sight. Yeah. I know roughly what everyone's arc is going to be. I might change bits, but I kind of plan in quite detail. Then I rough write and Scrivener, actually. Hey! And, yeah. I didn't I mean, even I pay you to it. say that, did we? I know. I don't <laughs> use it in the way that most people do, but I use it as, um, I'll use it for planning and I'll have little, like, right. lists in it. So I use a little reason. When I was doing Mayhem and Murder, I would put um, articles from the time, the old Times articles. Right. I would log them. So this murder had these articles. That So I'd have it like a clipboard. Rather than, you know, I don't, so I don't write in it, but I use it as a notebook almost. So I have a notebook, which I then transcribe to the notebook on Scrivener. And then I write in 
neat. Cool, good use. Yeah, so I'm a massive planner. Okay. But but then I hand in pretty much draft one. So what's the what's the split? What's the split between the time you spend planning and the time you actually spend like writing? Oh God, I can knock out a couple of thousand words in an hour if I'm pushed, if I know what I'm writing. But my planning time is much, much bigger. I mean, I'm, I'm always planning. <laughs> I've normally got more than one thing on the go. So I've got at the moment, um, I'm, write, I'm writing a short, I say a short story for Christopher Golden in America. Um, it was he, It was a 5,000 word limit and mine's going to be like 20,000 words. <laughs> so, but I'm using it as a treatment for a film. So I'm going to write it as a movie. It was a movie idea. And I thought, actually, I owe this short story. I might as well write it out. And if he's prepared to take 20,000 words which thankfully Del Ray over there were and I think they're gonna try and shenanigan me a bit of extra cash do you wake up in the morning Sarah with like massively fully formed ideas that you seem to have subconsciously developed through your sleep no, no? I you know I rich you know that my biggest bugbear it's because I I find writing completely I, I sometimes find writers very pretentious especially on social media I think it's given people you know, there's voice to be pretentious. And actually, none of us are saving lives. Do you know what I mean? We're making shit up. It's not a big deal. <laughs> At the end of the day, when the apocalypse comes, they're not going to be saying, oh, save those people who make shit up. They're going to be like, where are the brain surgeons and the electricians and the plumbers? These are the people we need. So I do find writers on, on social media can be very pretentious. And I, so I, you know, I just think, no, I don't wake up. I don't let characters run away with the, you know, oh, my character's telling the story. No, they're not. <laughs> You're telling the story. And if your character is running away with you, rein it in, you know, like, so I, I get very, you know, it's, it, to me, it's just a puzzle. You're putting a puzzle together. So even when I wrote The Death House, people were like, oh, did you cry at the end of it? I'm like, no, of course I fucking didn't. I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> I made it up. <laughs> it's not, you know. It does seem to be a contest to be the most sued out there, you know. Yeah, and I think um, I'm, there are things that I'm very grateful for, one of which is self-publishing wasn't an option when I started out because as much as I like to think I wouldn't have, and I know that it's been very successful for some people, but unless you have a history in publishing or have have some publishing credit to your name and you understand how the business works, I see people who just literally write a novel and put it on on Smashwords. And some of them are actually half-decent writers. But, you know, there's loads of exclamation marks on page one. There's things that you just think a decent editor would deal with this. We are hearing, I mean, our third guest, Shannon Mayer, self-published, and mm. she did everything right. She studied the industry. That's the thing. It's, if you've got that capability. She got an editor. Yeah. She, you know, she does it right. She doesn't just splurt something onto Word and, and then bung it onto Kindle. if you treat it like a business. I mean, I yeah. treat writing like a business, but I am very English. I mean, I, I retweet things on Twitter like everybody does, but I'm very English in that um, being very positive about your work. Thing. Like if I'm, if someone says, "Oh, you write books," I go, "Yeah," you know, like, "Yeah." Read theirs; they're better than me. You know that English way of doing things, rather than Americans. I, did, I chaired a panel for uh, Deborah Harkness and Ve Schwab, mm. who are both very lovely women, and I, so I read their books and I prepared it quite well. And it was really interesting to watch them talk about their books with such passion and such love. Whereas English people were just like. I'll write a book. Will you please read it? I've done a book. His book's better than my book. Don't read my book. Because you kind of like, you don't want to sound like you're bigging yourself up, do you? So I think there's, um, you have to be able to do that if you're going to self-publish. So I'm curious, you mentioned about editors earlier. What kind of editor 
did you find works best with you? Well, you don't ever find the perfect editor. They, they, you know, pay money. And, but, you know, Natasha's a friend of mine already. And, you know, I like working with Gillian. Um, I've had some good editors. Joe Fletcher was a good editor. Um, but you have to treat it like a product. So my thing is when you get editorial notes, you open the email and you read them. And then you get up and walk around the room and you swear a bit <laughs> and you get a glass of wine and you say, they just don't understand my work. I can't possibly cut. Oh, maybe that is a good point, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And often you, it just takes a bit of space. And I think um, it's really hard to say. I mean, what I was very lucky with, with Behind Her Eyes, and this was what was genius, actually, was we had this ridiculous auction in America. So I was at FantasyCon, actually, last year or the year before. And um, the, my, the New York sub-agent had been saying, I'm not sure we're going to sell this in America. It's got a lot of drinking and smoking in there, you know. But thankfully, thank you, girl on a train, you know. But, yeah, yeah. And then she, she emailed me at FantasyCon. And she said, oh, would you be around to take some phone calls next week? So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought this was for me to try and make them want my book. So then I say to her, right, what do I have to say? I'm really worried. How am I going to sell this book? She went, no, 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 no. These are people who want, I've made, they've already got money on the table. I've, these are people who want your book. And I was like, oh, okay. So I had this, I had like eight or nine telephone conversations with big editors in New York who were, as we were speaking, bidding for my book. But what was wonderful was with each one, I was like, because, you know, America's like, oh, my God, I love your book. Oh, my God, your book's amazing. And so I was like, yeah, but what would, what would be your notes on my book? What thoughts have you got? So right. each one of these very top editors in New York were like, well, I think that you could, this detail would have worked. I'm like, ah. So I would write it all down <laughs> and then take the best bits. from. So I had all these people. And then I had conversations with loads of movie studios. And I took all those notes. So when it came to actually doing the edit for Natasha and Christine, we did a joint edit for America right. and London at the same time. I was saying, oh, what do you think about this? They're like, oh, this is such good thoughts. I was like, I know. I don't know where they came from. That's genius. So I literally took all the notes from all these other people. I had to put no effort into my edit whatsoever. I had all the best thoughts from the best editors in America. <laughs> that's that's probably not a tip that our listeners can use, but maybe file away for future no, use. I would also say, if you're going to give a tip, is, you know, editors are, a good copy editor is gold dust. Mm -hmm. And a good editor should give you a couple of things that really punch you in the gut, but will invariably make your book better. I mean, even with 13 minutes, I mean, over here, we publish that very much as a crossover adult YA, but in America, they're publishing it very YA. They made me cut 50 pages 50? from the first 200. Wow. Whoa. And I did it. And actually, I was like, you know what? That really works. As a YA, you know, as a non-crossover, YA, straight YA, I think the American version is better. Wow. Okay. I mean, I haven't you haven't read it yet, but it's you know it's faster, which I think for YA is. Yeah. Whereas when I started doing it with Gillian, we were very much aiming at a crossover market, so it was a different approach. But wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. 
That's, is that, that's, I mean, that's really two quite distinct versions of the book out there. Yeah, I'm calling the UK one the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> and if you love this, you can have more of it if you buy it from yeah. Book Depository. Yeah. I always want to call Book Depository Book Depository. You're not the only one, don't worry. Okay, yeah. they're, they're, they're well aware of it. I speech to the whole wives of KPMG about literacy um, the other day, and we hadn't even had wine. And I meant to say, I'm in my 40s, I can cry at an Andrex advert. And I said, I'm in my 40s, I can cry at a Jurex advert. And then I compounded it by stopping and going, no, I didn't mean Jurex. The other thing, the fluffy thing. What did I mean? <laughs> oh, no, Julux. That's what I said. Julux. Oh, puppies. Pup, whatever the one has the puppies in. But no. And all the, the very, very wealthy, successful wives of KPMG quite enjoyed that Good. so it taught me something about rich women well let, let, let's talk about women for a minute okay because um the thing that's kind of the book that we're writing yes uh we're keeping very stern about what it's about but we have let slip over the last few episodes that our protagonist is a woman mm-hmm. and of course when men start writing about women, female, oh my God. There are the traps that we're aware of, you know. She won't be admiring herself, her naked body in the mirror yeah, at any that's point. That's that's the basic one. one. Uh, don't, and, have her, don't have her having, like, some big emotional trauma and then going down to the B&B breakfast for a big, hearty, full English. Right. <laughs> that's, I read that once, and it was a male writer who was a friend of mine, and it was a great book, but it was a real, like, for me, I was like... This is a man writing a woman because no woman gets up in the morning and thinks, well, my child is missing, but I'm going to have some sausage, eggs and beans and everything's going to be right in the world. Whereas a man will be like, you know what, I'm still going to have my breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only working a full English. I'm having a breakfast. I've paid for breakfast. I might as well have it. It's in the room now. Yeah, so no, don't, don't have that. That's chapter three, then we have to scrub off. <laughs> yeah, scrap that. That's Actually, we had the curry house, not the full breakfast, but yeah, it's gone. Curry house, yeah. That has to go. She's what, gonna eat sushi. What are, what are the other things that might make you wince? What, man writing a woman? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Just the thing is, there's not that many differences. You know, it's all surface differences. Um, I think just being a little bit too soft. I think as long as you don't make her too soppy or that kind of, she's gutsy. No. I hate that gutsy thing. Well, that's the thing. thing. It's, you hear that thing, she has to be a strong woman. Yeah. But I think a complex woman might be complex more interesting. Complex is better. And I think we're all complex. I don't think there are strong men. I don't think there are strong women. There are people that are good at things. And, you know, I think it's as long as she's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, without using the word quirky. I'm going to throw something out there, Sarah. I <laughs> You've got such an incredible view on all this. Would you be willing for a laugh when we're ready to have a read through just our basic synopsis and rip it to bits? Yeah, especially the women bit. I'm learning your tip about going to the best in the industry and getting their their best advice, right? Stop it, stop it, I love it. I work quickly. But I my wine glass needs, like, my wine pint glass. Hang on one. There we go, there we go, hang on, there you go. That's uh, this was this was Sarah's rider was a bottle of uh, Sauvignon Blanc. I meant a one glass bottle. (laughs) Is that that in the budget, Mark? And he's not even cheap. This is like a posh one. Well, I asked my wife what a good one might be. So you're going to take this home to your missus. Well, right? yeah, 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 okay. Right, right. If there's any left, <laughs> I would be joining you, Sarah. But it's it's eight hours earlier here in Canada, and so it, it might be a disastrous day ahead. Of me. 
even more disastrous than normal. But uh, well, I hate flying. I hate flying, and I've got to do this two and a half weeks American tour, which is a plane a day. And normally, my way of dealing with that is to have a drink at the airport. And I was like, I can't. Nine o'clock in the morning every day. Just be one long crawl, wouldn't it? It would just be, I'd just be a wreck. So I'm going to have to just man up, woman up. Woman up. Seven up, whatever. Yes, whatever, yeah. I can't say man up anymore. No, no, I got told off for that. So, so tell us about this. Tell us about the kind of life of someone who's about to, to to promote a book that's had a huge amount of buzz. Could go straight to the bestseller, top of the bestseller charts, possibly. Or fall down. Well, let's let's, let's think positively. If that, well, I, I mean, mean what, I, the, the advanced reviews on Amazon are great. Have you seen Goodreads? Two hundred and two reviews. Nice, very good. It's all good. Very good. Yeah, there, there's a couple of dodgy ones on Amazon, but I think they're the more my crowd. Yeah, yeah. People who were looking for something that didn't. Arrived. Yeah. I mean, I, do you know what? I read somewhere, and I think it was Paula Hawkins, and she said it's very different when it's you. And obviously, I'm not in anywhere near Paula Hawkins' level, but it is that I thought I would be more excited, and I'm actually more nervous. Right. And, but I'm obviously when I, my friend Emma, who works for Argos, which has just been bought by Sainsbury's, and so she's quite high up in that ranking. So what our plan is on the week of publication, <laughs> we're going to get a little bottle of bubbly, and she's going to drive me around all the supermarkets in Milton Keynes and I'm going to stand next to my book in the chart with a glass of champagne taking pictures because if it never happens again yeah enjoy it you know I'm going to have that and you know to be honest whatever happens this book has already made me more money than I've ever made you know if I if I put my entire career before this book together this book has made me more money you know so the other thing is if it is a huge hit I'm going to be unbearable and it's going to be wonderful (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're going to want another one, though. Well, I've halfway written the next one. Oh, good. And, do you know, it was really interesting. I went out for a drink with um, Will Hill and Tom Pollock, who are both oh, genre Tom, authors. Yeah, yeah. And um, we were in some divey bar, the Phoenix bar, actually. Oh, Phoenix, yeah, yeah. And I was starting this book, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm really worried, you know, because there's this, the ending of Behind Her Eyes, everyone is. And there, I think it was Tom, actually, and he said, don't try and out-twist yourself. That way lies M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know what? I love his films, but I get your point. Yeah. So um, it, I think it's in, it's in a lot of ways a better book than Behind Her Eyes, and it has a twist. Uh, it doesn't have the... It's less... It's, it's more complex. It doesn't have the sort of straight line to the twist that once right. you've read Behind Her Eyes once, if you read it again, you see it. Yeah. Which is the, I think it should always be the case with the twist. You should be able to see it once you know it's there. Because yeah. I don't like to cheat. But um, yeah, but it's still female centric. I'm much more interested in women now that I'm getting older than right. I ever was when I was younger. Why is that, do you think? I think um, when you're young, especially for a woman of my age, I don't know how it is for people in their 20s now, but when I was in my 20s, it was very much kind of like if someone said you were one of the boys, that was a real compliment. Like it was very much about keeping up with the men. And I, I didn't want children. I didn't particularly want to get married. I mean, I did, but that was a brief, a brief mistake in Vegas. You know, I'm not interested in shoes or bags or clothes. I just wanted to be successful. This has always been my drive, uh, which is very much considered in those days a male trait. And I think women are very, we're judgmental of each other, which I'm a feminist. But I think to be a feminist, you have to acknowledge women are very judgmental of each other. And actually, if we stop doing that, we'd all, we'd all get on better. But it takes being in your 40s to see that yeah. because you're out of that competitive. You're not going to be the hottest girl in the room yeah. in your 40s. You are in your 20s. So once you're out of that phase, you can look and think, 
Flippin' heck. So I will always try and support, like, Catrone Award, for example. Yeah. Brilliant debut novel. Yeah. And if I have to choose a debut male author or a debut female author to support, I will always choose a female author to support. Because I also think, you know, women have a tough enough time trying to do everything. And they invariably do end up being the ones who have to do everything. If they get married, they they end up doing the house, the babies, you know. I've got friends of mine who work full time and have families and... I can see them like, just come round and let's have some wine. <laughs> because it's, you know, it's a lot to deal with. And the men just breeze through it because that's, that's they that's, think they're that's, doing that's it. That's been my experience, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, Mark? yeah are you going to go home and maybe just pop one little plate in the dishwasher yeah. and have a sit there? I'm helping out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for sure I helped. But men do the thing if they put the dishes on top of the dishwasher. That's a man trait. And you just look at them and think, you really? Really? You stack them on top on top of the dishwasher? You could just put them in the fucking thing? Don't ever meet my wife. <laughs> I think she and I would get on. <laughs> Brian Cran- Brian Cranston said his one his one kind of skill that he brings to the household is he's a master dishwasher stacker. So he's I, like this, he's like this evolved male. I would dishes. forgive him. He could he could just stack dishes on my dishwasher anytime. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're sounding like blind date now. That's brilliant. That was it. That was my cheesy moment. <laughs> so what what would be if if you had to through your whole experience, this incredible journey oh. that you've been on, Sarah, what would be if you could pick one major tip that you would give to say an aspiring author who was maybe maybe in your position five, ten years ago, what, what would it be? What's the biggie that you'd, you'd pass on in your wisdom? It's a really boring thing, but I just think be charming, be nice. Don't, you know, you can get, you see people get really, especially on Facebook, probably more than Twitter because they think it's a closed net. And you see people get very bitter and very um, uh, snooty about writing or success or if someone's been successful they obviously can't be a very good writer and all this kind of boring bullshit that's been going on for years I think it's a tough enough choice for a career without us all backbiting yeah. and so I think if I will always try and help someone if someone needs an agent I will intro, intro them to an agent or intro them to an editor because I don't think even if they went on to sell millions and millions of copies that doesn't affect me as a writer that doesn't affect my journey as a writer because my book could sell millions and millions of copies and someone else, you know, or not. That might just not have been the book. So I just think is don't, don't, if you compare yourself, I said it to Harriet Tice, in fact, yes. a while back. I said, when you get into this business, don't compare yourself to others because that way lies madness because there will always be someone doing better. But there will always be a million people who want to be in your position, you know, so... You can only, and and in some ways I think social media is bad for writers because you're constantly looking and and everyone else's life looks brilliant. And actually most people's lives are pretty mundane and ordinary. And if we stopped showing our highlights, (laughs) you know, we would see that. But I'm not a great one for showing miserable things on social media. I don't think it's fair on other people. But um, yeah, I think just, just concentrate on your own journey, but don't be bitter about anybody else's. Be Very. my advice. So it's not even writing advice. It's more just career. And- no, I think that's that's really good advice. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. I think being happy for other people's successes is the sign of a stable mind. And at least you know? gracious. At least gracious. Because actually, if you're gracious, you will come to be happy. You know, if you force yourself to 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 congratulate someone when you don't really feel it, afterwards you will feel a lot better. Yeah. And part of, part of the reason we we even do this podcast is we just love talking to people who have had. An incredible journey, incredible success. Because for us, it I just totally. Yeah, so well, don't it just think to- me. 
<laughs> no, no, but it just totally inspires us. You know, as we as we go on this journey, and as crazy as it might seem what we're trying to do, to have people like you telling your story and giving us this kind of advice is so inspiring. And the one thing we're getting from everyone who's kind of commenting on Twitter is about how inspiring our guests are. And I think it's we can be inspired by people's success, I think is the big, isn't it? And I think it's, you know, I think one of the worst, I think if anyone ever tells a newbie writer about this glass ceiling and people closing, pulling up the ladder behind them, you know, I have found that the most supportive people have been the really successful yeah. people. You know, I've had so much, like Charlene Harris is a diamond. John Connolly has been so helpful to me. I mean, uh, Stephen King blurred my book. Neil Gaiman is lovely. You know, I've had so much help from so many Hugely successful people, Harlan Coben. So many people are helpful and and kind and generous with their time. And I actually think the more successful people are, of course, the more generous they are because they're not scrabbling in the sand. It's not, yeah. you're not fight. you don't feel like you're fighting each other. Whereas sometimes it can feel like that when you're on that sort of lower rungs, middle rungs. Yeah. So when people talk about, I think if, if, if you're hanging out with writers who, who are bitter at the early stages of their career, get rid of those people. Those are not the people you want to be hanging around with because they'll make you look at things wrongly. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, mm. there's kind of toxicity, mm. isn't it? And also I guess there's a degree of people paying it forward because for every multi-selling yeah. author out there, they've all, they've had those leg ups and helps along the way, I and guess. And some have and some haven't. You know, I mean, I, I think I would, I'm... I think every author starts out hoping their first book or expect, you know, you kind of have that, you're naive enough to think that your first book published is going to like, you're going to see someone reading it on the tube. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, um, but I think it's very important for me. I'm very happy that it's worked out this way around. I kind of would have hoped to have been rich in my first book, but I would rather have built towards something succeeding hugely. I mean, I don't, I think my career, I've been very lucky in my career in that it's gone steadily improved, yeah. you know, but it's not been that meteoric, you know. I mean, even Paula Hawkins, she'd written other books under a different name, you know, yeah. so it wasn't. But when you have those people who have a debut book that hits all the marks and you kind of think, is this what they think publishing is? Yeah. Because yeah. Jesus Christ, they're in you. for a yeah. problem yeah. you know or if, or if people who are led to believe that's going to happen whereas at least when you start out in genre you kind of have a rough idea that's not going to be the case yeah. you're just happy to be seen in waterstones and whatever yeah. Yeah. so now i'm like when they tell me selling figures i'm like i don't know is that good and they're like yeah that's pretty good I'm like, okay well we think it's gonna be amazing i think well, the I stars are aligning you guys look very sensible people and so i'm thinking you might be right <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hang around because we have yeah, uh, a question yeah. of the week and we've got, we've got yes, as well, oh, we? Yes. we do. Yes, actually, well, maybe you could sign that once we do the question of the week. So we have a shall. we have a signed copy of Behind Her Eyes. Oh, fantastic! Ooh. Beautiful so hardback, you... hot off the presses at HarperCollins. Is, is this yeah. your? Fir- are we stealing your That's first my copy? Only copy of oh, oh my goodness! We're really but sorry, got, but I only got it for you guys. I was like, can oh, I take this book? Wow! Do you hear that competition winners? Oh wow, that's that, that's amazing! So yeah, and so you better bloody enter just for yes. ego. If else, <laughs> in your horse. If they have to give me this book back, I'm going to be really unhappy. <laughs> so if, if you want to, if you want to win Sarah's very first copy of Behind Her Eyes, higher back. Get yourself over to bestsellerexperiment.com. There is a bar on the top and there is a win button. Click on I'm that, entering. and you will see I'm the just enter. Just so someone enters. Absolutely. <laughs> So get along there. And remember that the, you get more entries when you share 
the website. So there you go. You can really like, if you, if you go out there and promote the hell out of bestseller experiment, you, you know, you've got a very good chance of winning the book. So uh, not that we're, we're experimenting with marketing at all. I, I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing I see where we're coming from there. I like where you're coming from. All part of the experiment. That's what we yeah. said. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so the question of the week this week actually comes from Noel Walker in Ontario. Uh, thank you so much, Noel, for sending us this question. And it's a really good question. Actually, it's got, us he- it's got our head scratching. He's actually asked the question, what exactly is a bestseller? It seems like there are different standards for different newspapers. Are there different differences in different countries, such as Canada, US, UK. And when we read this question, uh, we thought, well, we're doing a podcast called The Bestseller Experiment, and we haven't really defined exactly what a bestseller is. <laughs> you think we'd know the answer to that, yeah. wouldn't you? you think I that think, would be the very, premise I think it's show. very different on um, format as well. I think you can have a bestseller on a hardback with not a huge amount of sales. Yeah. Do you know much about the kind of bestseller list, like the New York Times, Sunday Times, and how they... I know that we're aiming at Sunday Times bestseller. <laughs> they say that. I'm just laughing quietly in the corner <laughs> going, that's not going to happen. But they're aiming for that. So, I mean, it's interesting because I think sometimes it's on... It's not necessarily on purchased copies, is it? I think sometimes it's on what has been bought in rather than what has been actually sold, I think can sometimes happen with hardback. Someone told me this. That might be the case in the States. Ah, is that in the States? Yeah, yeah. uh, In answer to Noel's question, because this this is one of those questions that requires a complex answer, we've got in touch with uh, the good folk at Nielsen in the UK, and they've promised to talk to us. Excellent stuff. So we we often do a little piece on Scrivener as well, and and you talked about using Scrivener for something completely different. So when you... When you start with your planning, describe describe what it like. I'm trying to look at it visually in my head. What what does Scrivener look like when you're planning? Oh, I mean, I don't because I, I'm really shit at watching tutorials. I'm like, you know, the worst person in the world with a manual. So I know Scrivener does a huge amount of things yeah. that I really am never going to use it for. But I use it very much as so when I wrote uh, Murder and Mayhem, they were books set around uh, real life crimes. At, in the 19th century. So I went to the Times archive and various newspaper archives and dug out real reports about the policemen involved because sometimes it was different crimes I would pull out reports for and these crimes. And so I would stash them. So I'd be like, I'd have years. So I'd have like 1898, 1899, and I'd stash things in and then I'd use it for character studies. So I'd have like little character bits or... um different story arcs I would store in Scrivener but I would just use it like I'd use it like a uh, A4 file you know that like when you were doing yeah. history A level and you'd have like the different color binders <laughs> but I know that it can be used for so many more things but what's what's great is you're using your you know it can be used to suit so many however things. you like yeah. to work which is what I think yeah. which is one of its kind of powerful things that's awesome Mark, just before we uh, finish up, I guess we should mention about where Sarah's wise words will be featured in the vault of gold. Yes, uh, join us on com and subscribe to our newsletter and you will get The Writer's Vault of Gold, which is a free ebook that you can get in EPUB or as a PDF. And it has advice from the likes of our previous guests, Joanne Harris, uh, Joe Abercrombie, John Connolly, Michael Connolly, Brian Cranston, and now with Added Pinborough. So, uh, and we're up to something ridiculous now, like 30,000 words now, I think. And it's all gold. It's, it is the book I wished I'd had when I'd started out writing. It's just full of amazing advice, like write every day. <laughs> Which idiot said that? Uh, John Connolly. <gasps> 
I love him. He's like my favourite person in the world, but he's wrong on that one. Think about writing every day. Probably that was my New Year's resolution, Sarah. What am I going to do now? Yeah, that's my big New Year's resolution. He's shorter than me. He will argue that point. (laughs) So yeah, sign up, get your copy of that for opinions on both sides of the fence and whether or not you should write every day. Absolutely. He quoted my new book, so whatever he said is right. He also said he also said there are no formulas as well. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, he's very good yeah, on he that. he covered his ass on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can join us on social media. We're on Facebook at Bestseller Experiment. We're on Twitter at Bestseller XP. And I just want to shout out. Are you I know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we, we are. Um, if we're not, we will oh, be by the time you get on your train. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just want to shout out to Josh Atkinson on Twitter, who was tweeting us pretty much every day with his word count and then stopped. Now, Josh, I hope you're either really balls deep in, in your draft or... I wasn't uh, quite sure where you were going with that. Well, I, I, really, I really hope you're still writing away, John. Uh, Josh. Get in touch. Let us know how you're getting on. We're also on Pinterest and Instagram as well. And do drop us a line on email via the website because um, we did have an amazing email, which I know we've read a lot out already, but we got this from Ali uh, a couple of weeks ago and Ali says when I discovered your podcast I was about 30k into my novel but hadn't touched it for about three months a divorce and all the resultant emotional and logistical fallouts as well as drastic developments in some of the political inclinations I was lampooning in the novel left me lazy and demotivated your podcast reinvigorated me and has driven me forward despite two jobs striving to be a good and present dad to my children and a life-threatening health condition I have now well and firmly made the muse my bitch i've now passed the 50k mark and i'm forecasting an end to the first draft by march listen ali that i mean That's we amazing. we that yeah really amazing. that was such a great email to get and we wish you all the best that ali I mean, I know you said about the world. I mean, I know I'm quite flippant as a person, but that's it's so easy to get bogged down in it. When you hear someone like that who's doing so many things yeah. and still going for it, you yeah. think, you know what, man the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. To myself, you know, yeah, like, if yeah, someone else can do yeah, that. Yeah. So that that's amazing. And anyone else out there, let us know how you're getting on. We love hearing about your progress on the books. And join us join us next time. I mean, how do we I'll top come this back one? Again when I'm really famous. Yes, please do. Please do. Please let me be really famous. <laughs> <laughs> and before we let you go, we just wanted to ask where would be the best place? Obviously, people can visit sarahpinbra.com. Yeah. But uh, social media, where 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 should people check you out? Well, my Twitter handle is the very, very confusing at Sarah Pimbra. <laughs> Can you run that by us one more time? At Sarah Pimbra. Okay. Just all one word. Um, and uh, Instagram, Sarah Pimbra book. Uh, but yeah, Twitter is my main thing. And should we should we mention who we've got coming up on the show? Joe Hill. Joe Hill. Joe Hill. Yeah, he's amazing. I love Joe. This is that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> He'll kill me for saying that. I know you mean Joe. Oh well, but, you know I love his dad. Before we go, we'll see what we can do for you. If one that, day walks away, you can make me a bestseller. That would be great. That, I will try that. But I was, work on that. I was going to suggest as well if you if you if you do end up ever going home and you see Walter White sitting on top of your dishwasher, you know who to thank. Okay, just saying. <gasps> Thanks, guys. That would be awesome. <laughs> so it's goodbye from Mark One, and goodbye from Mark Two. Goodbye. To read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. 
and subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe.